0: Section One of Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer by Henry Dawson. Running in a Fog in the year eighteen fifty i was running an engine on the blank road my engine was named the racer and a racer she was too her driving wheels were seven feet in diameter and she could turn them about as fast as was necessary i can assure you my regular train was the morning express leaving the upper terminus of the road at half-past four running sixty-nine miles in an hour and forty-five minutes which as i had to make three stops might with justice be considered pretty fast travelling i liked this run amazingly for mounted on my iron steed as i sped in the dawn of day along the banks of the river which ran beside the road i saw all nature wake the sun would begin to deck the eastern clouds with roseate hues rising higher it would tip the mountain tops with its glory higher still it would shed its radiance over every hillside and in every valley it would illumine the broad bosom of the river before flowing so dark and drear now sparkling and glittering with radiant beauty seeming to run rejoicing in its course to the sea the little vessels that had lain at anchor all night swinging idly with the tide would as day came on shake out their broad white sails and gracefully careening to the morning breeze sweep away over the water looking so ethereal that i no longer wondered at the innocent mexicans supposing the ships of cortez were gigantic birds from the spirit-land Some mornings were not so pleasant, for frequently a dense fog would rise and envelop in its damp, unwholesome folds the river, the road, and all things near them. This was rendered doubly unpleasant from the fact that there were on the line numerous drawbridges which were liable to be opened at all hours, but more especially about daybreak. To be sure, there were men stationed at every bridge, and in fact, every half mile along the road, whose special duty it was to warn approaching trains of danger from open drawbridges, obstructions on the track, etc. But the class of men employed in such duty were not noted for sobriety and the wages paid were not sufficient to secure a peculiarly intelligent or careful class, so the confidence I was compelled to place in them was necessarily burdened with much distrust. These men were provided with white and red signal-lanterns, detonating torpedoes and colored flags, and the rules of the road required them to place a torpedo on the rail and show a red signal both on the bridge and at a fog station distant half a mile from the bridge before they opened the draw at all times when the draw was closed they were to show a white light or flag at this fog station This explanation will, I trust, be sufficient to enable every reader to understand the position in which I found myself in the grey of one September morning. I left the starting-point of my route that morning ten minutes behind time. The fog was more dense than I ever remembered having seen it. It enveloped everything. I could not see the end of my train, which consisted of five cars filled with passengers. The headlight, which I carried on my engine, illumined the fleecy cloud only a few feet, so that I was running into the most utter darkness. I did not like the look of things at all, but my orders were positive to use all due exertions to make time. So, blindly putting my trust in Providence and the miserable twenty dollars-a-month men who were its agents along the road, I darted headlong into and through the thick, and, to all mortal vision, impenetrable fog. The racer behaved nobly that morning she seemed gifted with the wings of the wind and rushed thunderingly on making such time as astonished even me almost native and to the manner born everything passed off right i had made up seven minutes of my time and was within ten miles of my journey's end the tremendous speed at which i had been running had exhilarated and excited me that pitching into darkness blindly trusting to men that i had at best but weak faith in had given my nerves an unnatural tension so i resolved to run the remaining ten miles at whatever rate of speed the racer was capable of making i gave her steam and away we flew the fog was so thick that i could not tell by passing objects how fast we ran but the dull, heavy, and oppressive roar as we shot through rock-cuttings and tunnels, the rocking and straining of my engine, and the almost inconceivable velocity at which the driving wheels revolved, told me that my speed was something absolutely awful. I did not care, though. I was used to that, and the rules bore me out besides i wanted to win for my engine the title of the fastest engine on the road which i knew she deserved so i cried on on i had to cross one drawbridge which owing to the intervention of a high hill could not be seen from the time we passed the fog station until we were within three or four rods of it i watched closely for the fog station signal It was white. All right, go ahead, my beauty, shouted I, giving at the same time another jerk at the throttle, and we shot into the cut. In less time than it takes me to write it, we were through, and there, on the top of the draw, dimly seen through a rift in the fog, glimmered with, to me, actual ghastliness the danger signal, a red light it seemed to glare at me with almost fiendish malignancy. Stopping was out of the question, even had I been running at a quarter of my actual speed. As I was running I had not even time to grasp the whistle-cord before we would be in. So giving one longing lingering thought to the bright world, whose duration to me could not be reckoned in seconds even— I shut my eyes and waited my death, which seemed as absolute and inevitable as inglorious. It was but an instant of time, but an age of thought and dread, and then I was over the bridge. A drunken bridge-tender had, with accursed stupidity, hoisted the wrong light, and my adventure was but a scare, but half a dozen such were as bad as death. It was three weeks before I ran again, and I never after made up time in a fog. End of Section 1